It's time to experience the Synergy Connection Show with your host, Lucy Forsting. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Synergy Connection Show, where we connect the dots between our physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual selves. You know, we had 2020 and we thought that we could, you know, get through that pretty well. Um, Here we are moving into the final months of 2021 and we are still struggling with lots of different things, uh, not to mention, you know, health and wellness. We've had the Delta variant. We've got a new strain of the variants coming out called Mu. And uh, so it's more important than ever to take personal responsibility for your health and wellness. Um, I would say that there's probably 51%, 52% of Americans that have received the vaccination. However, we do know that that isn't the final answer. Uh, we've had a lot of breakthrough cases. Fortunately, they're not resulting in you know, hospitalizations as much. They're not resulting in death as much. But it is up to us as, you know, people who care about our wellness uh, to do what we can do personally and not just trust that the vaccine is the answer. So I tell people to go to www.SynergyConnectionRadio.com. And of course, all my shows are archived there, but you'll also see a link into a company called Boomers Forever Young. And Boomers uh, has products that I personally use. Uh, I use their Gladiator Barley. I use their Boomer Boost, which is 70 different uh, vitamins and minerals and amino acids and their powders. And so they're really easy to use. You can mix them into a smoothie. You can put them in just juice. You can put them in water and shake them up and they go immediately to work for you. But the key is in using these kind of products, you're building your immune system and you're reducing your inflammation level. And I don't think that too many people understand that inflammation is where every single disease starts in our body. Um, So if you have a healthy um, level of, of, you know, the inflammation test is a C-reactive protein test, it's a blood test, and you want the number below one, And I will tell you that mine is a 0.3. So I have very little inflammation racing around in my body where disease can start. The other number that is critically important is your vitamin D as in dog. And so you look for a D3 blood test and that will tell you what your immune system is functioning at. You want that number to be above 70. Mine is almost an 80. And um, so, You know, the ability that I have at least to fight off viruses and bacteria and infections of any kind, if I do get something, I can attack it very quickly through my immune system. So those are the two key tests you want to ask for. Your doctors, when you take a physical, they're not going to give you those tests. You really do have to ask for them and they're not gonna cost you anything. Mine has been free every time I've, I've done it. So it's a D as in dog, three blood test. Look for the number to be above 70. If it isn't, start taking extra vitamin D3. And the other one is a C-reactive protein test. You want that number to be below one. If it isn't, start doing things like the barley to reduce your inflammation. The other thing barley does, which is really cool, and this is a sprout. So for people that are gluten intolerant, they can take it. But as a sprout, uh, it's grown in Canada. It has a very special process that creates um, the barley itself. And barley will rebuild muscle. And if you're over 50, you're losing 1% of your muscle mass per year. So it rebuilds muscle to keep you strong, reduces inflammation, and takes toxins out of the body. All things that you want done. All right. Having said that, please check out my website. There's about a 180 shows there now. And, um, you know, it is up on all the national podcasts, but sometimes people want to go back and listen to a couple of shows that they missed. And that's where they can find them as well. 
All right, I have a brand new guest with me this morning. Her name is Sarah M. And she's a survivor of the Cambodia killing fields. And her story is one of courage and hope. And um, gosh, um, 2 million people perished during that four year period. And I know she has said that it was some of the darkest days of her life. And I'm sure that it absolutely was. So I want to welcome you, Sarah. And, you know, I am anxious to hear how on earth you survived those four years. I would say that the majority of people probably would have given up. And of course, we know that if you give up, you will perish. I mean, if, if you don't have the ability to believe that there is something better out there and you get up every day moving for it or toward it, um, under those conditions, I would imagine that a great many of the people who died, died because they had no hope. And that's you know the reason for their demise. But how did you do it? Maybe you can begin to share with people because gosh, 40 years, that is a long time. Yes, it is. Thank you for having me on your show, Lucy. This is a wonderful show. I am so honored to be on it. And back to my story, how on earth did I make it through? Yeah, it, it is unbelievable that I can make it. Because when, when they came in, they, they took us, uh, put us in the work camp. That work camp, it's just unbelievable. Um, they pushed us to work so hard, very long hours, like 15, 16 hours a day. And they give us very little food. And we were exhausted all the time and hungry all the time and sleepy because we didn't have enough sleep. So our bodies start to, to feel sick. We cannot keep going like that seven days a week. So I, um, within two months, I became sick. And then one sickness after another. So at one point, I probably have about three or four illness in my body. So the sickness also kill a lot of people. What kind of sicknesses resulted, you know, because here you are in Cambodia, it's warm, it's humid. I, I can't even imagine, I would think there would be parasites that uh, were attacking you and, and other kinds of uh, bacteria and viruses that were present. So um, what, what were the diagnoses? You know, did you even know what you had or you, did you just know you were sick? Um, the, the, the symptom that I have um, is the malaria mm -hmm. and the typhoid. And then another condition is I, um, I became blind at night. So uh, there is a word for Cambodian um, uh, language. It, it's the night blindness. Okay. Only at night time that you become blind, no matter how close to the light you stay, you cannot see anything. Wow. Yeah, that's the night blindness. And then um, I also um, have this swelling. My, my whole body was swelling all over, puff up. And then within a couple of days, I initiated all those swelling. So when, suppose I weighed 120 pounds, after the swelling, I probably lost about uh, 10 to 20 pounds. It's just a, a horrific feeling that it, it sucks away your energy, your flesh, your energy and everything. So when the puffy up, uh, when the puffiness and the swelling come, we expect to to initiate. So for a few times, a few times during a short period, like a, a month or two, I lost so much. I become a skeleton, <laughs> like a skeleton of walking. So um, that's some other condition that I experienced. And I was so exhausted. I have no energy. 
but at the beginning, they still push us to work, even though uh, we are so sick. But eventually, when I got too sick to work, they they sent us to. Uh, they said you need to go to the hospital. But when I got to the hospital, it's not not really a hospital. It's the infirmary. So what did they do for you at the infirmary? Nothing. Nothing. It's just a place that I can rest without having to go to work. If okay. I'm not, yeah, if I'm not at the infirmary, I have to go to work like everybody. Okay. All right. Yeah. So you would just stay in bed during the day or did you yeah. get up and move around at all? Um, I might get up and move around, but I just want to just lay down. It just don't want to do anything. It's just too sick. Too were, they, were they feeding you um, a little bit better at the infirmary? Not better. It's just normal like everybody else. Okay. So it wasn't like they wanted to rebuild your body so you could go back to work. No, not, not, not like that. Just that I have a break now to have to go to work in the sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, work is, is under the, the hottest sun all day long. The, the tropical climate in, in Cambodia is about 100 degrees on the average. And you work in that sun all day long. Does it ever cool down in Cambodia or does it just stay at that temperature level 24-7, 12 months out of the year? There, uh, there is a cool down time like January, February, but it's, it's nothing to concern about. It, you just have a, 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 like a light sweater or a jacket. That's enough. We never mm. know. We never know how the snow look like. Oh, sure, no. sure. <laughs> Have you gone back to Cambodia since you left? I went by in twenty fifteen. And what like, was it like to go back? It's so much different. Everything changed after thirty five years away from the country. Um, I was excited to go back, excited to see my family. I had my dad and a lot of cousins. I had my aunt, cousins, my uh, half-sisters. So those are the people that I care about, but the environment is totally different. Right. I mean, does it seem like it, I don't know, to me it would be like, living today but looking back like a nightmare that you came through yes it is yeah i just thought about it um i thought about when people have nightmare you you feel horrified during those night during the nightmare but when you get up you feel relief because it's not real it's the nightmare right and in your in your case, it was real and it was real for four years. Yes, it was real for four years. So um, there's millions of people survive, but most of us are not the same. We, our life never be the same. We, we have changed. A lot of people had so much trauma that their life it just cannot move on. Um, a lot of people lost their family members. Um, some of them lost by execution. There are a lot of execution. Uh, when, uh, when somebody used to work for a previous government in a higher position, they will get eliminated right away. They killed them. And some family, they killed the whole family. They don't want any revenge, any rebel. So that's how they do it. And they also kill a lot of intellect. Anybody who have higher education, they are also on the blacklist. They will be eliminated. So 
And that is because they have the ability to, I guess, reason and think through and maybe come up with a plan and they wanted everybody to just be compliant. Yes, yes. They, they want everybody to be uh, told compliant, but for the people that, um, that on the blacklist at the beginning, they don't have a reason to kill them. They, it just that because of their job in the, in the past, they have to go. So, so what kind of jobs were they eliminating? Job, if you work for the government, any kind of government job, that will be eliminated. Okay. Mm-hmm. How about like teachers or people that were in the religious field or people that were maybe um, doctors, uh, lawyers, you know, anybody like that, were they all eliminated as well? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, they are. So they knew right at the very beginning that their lives were going to end because of who they were. Yeah, but those people did not know their plan, did not know this communist plan. Mm. We, um, the, pop, uh, the propaganda only, um, only uh, announced that this will be a, uh, like a, a system that they will offer equality. So nobody very rich, nobody very poor. It's the equality that they, you know, that they advertise, not really advertise, that um, that's their concept. But when when they get the the power, they abuse the power. It go beyond the concept. They eliminate the uh, educated eliminate the uh, the former officials of the government anybody in the military that's that on the blacklist right away so out of two million people a lot of them are executed and did they educate okay so when you say executed I'm thinking of like firing lines like they did in Germany with the Jewish population where they just lined people up and shot them. Is that how they did it in Cambodia or did they do something different? Some of them lined up and shoot like that. Um, this is what I heard from some of the, the survivors, some of the witness, but thank God God saved me from, from seeing that. But there are a lot of um, cruel killing, like beating up or hanging or um, uh, different kind of, uh, of punishment. Some of them, they were uh, grueling, ask, asking for answers. And then they punish. The plan is to get the answer. So, so in, they, those, in those cases, though, sometimes at least, you know, my understanding is you'll tell them anything to get the torturing to stop. And so it might not even be an accurate answer. It would be what they want to hear in order to stop whatever the torture is. Yeah. But um, a lot of the, the uh, victims, they rather not telling because the telling it's involved other people's life. Mm. So they rather die themselves than telling and and they omit other people's life. Well, that is that says a lot for the person that is re- ready to give their life to protect others. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think that happens as often as we might hope, because I think a lot of times when it comes right down to it, you'll do whatever you can to save yourself. Right. Yes. That a lot of people, they want to protect the other people. How did you find the will, I guess, to survive? Well, um, 
my my story a little bit. When that when the communists took over, I was away from my family. I attend college in the big city, and my whole family are back home, far away. That um, I have no idea what happened to them. But I know one thing that I love them very much. I love my mom. I have been a caregiver for my mom for almost five years when my mom got an accident and she became paralyzed. So my relationship with my mom was so close that we love each other. So during this time that I endure the hardship, all I thought about was my relationship with my mom was how I can get home to help out the family. I'm the oldest child in the family. So the love take priority above everything. So I, my heart is filled of love. And the second thing is that I have home. And I, I so, so naive that some, someday I will be able to go home. I don't know how, but I just have that hope. And that hope also comes with my faith. I, I, I believe that something better will happen. Um, and I also pray. And I believe that there is God up there and he knows who are the bad guy and who are the good guys. So <laughs> I, 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 I was young. I didn't know much about God and anything. But the only thing I know that the the good people will last. Good will so, overcome. Yes, but but with my uh, innocent faith, my love, my hope, that's come together. That put me together. That give me strength and give me a determination that. I will make it through. I will fight. I will survive. It's my determination. Um, I, you know, I want to survive. I want to go home. All right. So did they find you when you weren't home? They took you captive, you know, while you were at school? Or did you go home and then they found you and took you captive? Well, um, when... On that day, April 17, 1975, um, it was no school because it, we just celebrate New Year. There's a new year in Cambodia. And during that, so, uh, that New Year celebration, so the school are shut down. There's a lot of places are shut uh, that are closed. So we were not in school, but I went to, uh, when the rocket sounds so close and fearful for my life because guns sound all over, I was just so afraid. So I went to look for my uncle. I have an uncle who live in the suburb of, of the, the big city. So I went to him and he, he is a soldier, but he know when the communists come in, he had to get rid of all his clothes and everything to blend in so that they don't uh, you know, shoot him right away. So my uncle um, told us, okay, let's pack up. Let's go back to the city and we go look for the shelter because the guns come from everywhere. We, 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 we need to find a a strong shelter. So when we went back in the city, we found a, an empty school building. Of course, nobody, um, there's no school during that holiday time. So we hide, we hide in that empty school building. So on that day when they came in, they went door to door looking for people and demand that we leave wherever we were, demand everybody leave the city. So they say, ow, 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 and they point the gun at us. So we, we just get out from wherever we were. And everybody pile up in the, on the street. So 
imagine in the big city, there are about uh, almost a million people. So we all on foot in the street, in the heat and carry a little bag. That's all we have in, in our hand, a little bag of clothes and some food. And we were walking without knowing where to go. All we know is that they want us out of the city. So we, we just follow the, the crowd, miserable. We sleep on the, on, the, uh, on the ground and we eat just a little food that we brought from, from home. And for weeks we were walking. So finally, we got to a, a village far away from the city. So um, they already set up their, their team waiting for us to come. Um, they give us a temporary place to stay with the family and then send us to work the next day, work in the rice field. But... Uh, so it sounds like they knew that if you left the city, they could keep tabs. You know, they could watch you more easily if yeah. you went to these small communities and they would know that, you know, you were with a particular family. And I suspect that there were a number of families living together. And then you just went out to the fields every day to work and you came home and collapsed at night. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But in my, yeah, in my case, I got um, uh, this place two times because they announced and said, you know, for anybody who want to move to Badambong, we can take you there. <laughs> Badambong is my, the province where my family live. So, so when you went, I guess, right? I signed up. I signed up, but I did not get there. They, uh -huh. they, they did not take us to where I want to go. They dropped us, they took us into the, like almost jungle, <laughs> almost in the jungle. I have no clue where that is. And then later on, there was another announcement. They, they are looking for a single family, single person, man and woman to, um, to, to get trained to work in a different um, place so that we probably end up moving around to help out the villages. So when I, when I, I realized I might have an opportunity to move and might be able to find my family. So that's all I was thinking. So I signed up again. Um, and then this time I end up in the big forced labor camp. There was a thousand people in that camp. The only single people, the strongest force, workforce, men and women. So, so you never did get back to your home though? No, no. Uh -huh. I was I was dreaming and I was, you know, I will take chance every time I have any opportunity, I will you know, I register to go, but I never end up to be at home. Wow. So you must have been terrified as far as, you know, since your mother was an invalid, you know, that she would even still be alive. Um, well, good, good information. My mom recovered after four and a half years or so. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yes, yes, she's such a strong woman. She, I don't know what she did, but she's meditated and we we have all kinds of um, local healer bring all kinds of remedy, natural remedy and give her this and that. And it's, we try all kinds of things to help mm -hmm. her because uh, when she, when we took her to the hospital at the beginning, there's nothing they can do. So we took her back home. And that's how I end up being a caregiver. Oh. So it almost sounds like uh, the natural remedies 
and the love that you had for one another, uh, that energy, if you will, you know, helped her heal over time. Because if she had this accident that paralyzed her, then, you know, the nerve endings and things had to regenerate, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. And so they regenerated in spite of, you know, the Cambodians coming in, the Camarouge coming in, you know, to Cambodia and, and, you know, doing what they did. So, I mean, is your mom still alive today? No, she passed on um, six years ago. Okay. But of natural causes then? Well, she, um, she had a lot of uh, issue in her body, especially her lung. Mm. Her, yeah, her, her lung have the weak diaphragm. So when she, when she breathes, she only breathes very shallow. Oh, okay. and, she, and she doesn't have an ability to expel all the uh, carbon dioxide. Okay. Because of her weak diagram. So she ended up at the, toward the end of her life, maybe about two years before she passed. She was on the ventilator 24-7. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. So she was then in a hospital setting? No, no. Um, I, we took her back home and I took care of her again. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I mean, that's, that's not easy if she's on a ventilator. My goodness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I become like an unlicensed nurse. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, knew, you knew what to do and she trusted you. So those are, those are important features of, uh, you know, living, I think. Wow. (laughs) So your faith, it sounds like played a major role in your survival as well. I, I can say that. Yes. Yes. How does that work? I mean, um, you know, I talk a lot on the show about the fact that we are 50 trillion cells that that vibrate and we can vibrate in a negative environment or we can vibrate in a positive environment and uh, obviously you know negativity only creates more stress for all those cells and so you end up with higher uh, c-reactive protein you know scores if you are living in a stressful environment and people don't actually I i don't think people appreciate that information that, you know, every cell in your body makes up an organ that makes up you. And so it's so important to maintain that positive attitude about life and to believe that there is something um, better ahead. And so you had to have had that, even though you were young and you were at the university and they told you to get out of the city and you ended up in these villages, you always had a faith that something better would happen. So how did how did you get that? I think um, it's in my DNA. I am a happy person. When I I grew up, I received a lot of love from my parents, and my mom expressed her love to me, and it's built up my my self esteem. And also, and have opportunity to care for her almost five years. That's another level of love connection. We're talking about love connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you are filled with love in your heart, you don't have a lot of room for negativity. Mm. You are more positive. You enjoy your life. You appreciate your life. You appreciate other people. So that's that's how I'm thinking. I love my family. I love my life. And during the, the hardest time in the camp, in the forced labor camp, I built such a strong bond with other women. So we, we have like a sisterhood. So we kind of care for each other. When I become blind at night, I cannot go to the bathroom. Um, I had to ask one of my neighbors to help me take my hand, go to the outhouse somewhere. So um, we help each other that way. And with that, 
people in uh, people connection, it's also create a positive vibration because you don't feel alone. I, I didn't feel alone. And also I did not feel like I'm a victim. Mm. Even, even though I'm in captivity. Right. I, I don't let that victim mentality come into me. I never feel sorry for myself. It wasn't a why me kind of. No, no, not at all. I don't remember at all. And um, among my, my God sisters, we, uh, when we have a time, time to share something fun, we talk about recipe. Although we don't have anything to do anything with food. <laughs> <laughs> so you created these recipes by memory. Really? <laughs> Create a, a fun time to talk about, you know, oh, we can make this. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we have fun because uh, we share how we make things, how mm-hmm. we how we cook something and it's just fun time but we have to be careful because we have um gods around us they if they hear us bring back the memory of the lifestyle in the in the previous government we'll be in trouble but we 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 just whisper to each other oh so they couldn't hear that you were actually remembering the past. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, when you talk about that, I uh, wrote a book that came out in um, March of 2020. And one of the things that happens in the very beginning, the prequel of the book, is these three little characters discover a little boy at the uh, end of World War II. He's in a detention camp. So it's not really a concentration camp. It was a place where they corralled everybody that could maybe possibly be of danger to them. So in this particular camp, it was, you know, people that were German and, um, and this was in England. And so, you know, the English didn't know whether uh, German citizens living there, you know, could potentially be harmful to them. And so they, they put them in these detention camps. So this little boy is maybe about seven years old and he doesn't know where his mother and his sisters are. Uh, he's with his dad and an uncle, you know, because it's males and then females. And um, he's, he's crying and they discover him leaning up against this detention fence And what they do is they teach him to remember the good times. And that's exactly, you know, what you're talking about, because they said, if you can go back in your mind and remember what you did on Sundays, you know, that they all ate together and they played music together and games together, then, you know, that would begin to restore his, um, you know, I don't call it vibrational frequencies, but it would restore that harmony in his body and make him believe in a future because if all he could see was what he had in front of him then that was going to be highly depressive and you know as a a result he might end up getting sick so if they could teach him how to remember the past and change that vibration to a positive vibration they could help him survive and so that's what they do you know in the story is they and then he at the very end of that prequel Um, the war is over and he promises them that he will teach others what they have taught him. And so basically that's what you and your friends did, you know, while you were imprisoned is you remembered the past and you talked about, you know, how wonderful that was and you had fun creating. And, and so there is also something that's called transcendence. Mm -hmm. And so you transcended, you know, the, harsh environment that you had into a better place. And, and that, of course, the frequencies are quite different than where you were. If you had just focused on what you, you know, were experiencing and you were feeling sorry for that experience, I don't think you would have survived the way you did. Right. And, yeah. and nobody taught you how to do that. You just kind of knew how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we just, you know, instead of sad, being sad, 
and we cannot do anything about it and create something fun. And also another, um, to answer your question about how you make it, how I make it through is um, also, um, I have a positive uh, perspective. I, um, I, I don't get angry at them. I'm just look at something that I can be grateful for. I'm grateful that they did not beat me up. Mm -hmm. They did not torture me to ask me for any answer. Right. So uh, were you ever afraid that they were going to, you know, like sexually abuse you? I never thought of that way because we live in a group. So I, I don't know. I was just so naive. I didn't, um, there might be some case, but I was not afraid about that. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I, I just look at some positive thing. Right. And, okay. and that is, again, you know, it's remarkable that you somehow knew to do that because most people would not think of the gratitude that at least they didn't beat me. At least they, you know, didn't uh, torture me, you know, for information. You, you used that ability to focus on gratitude and a positive mindset yeah. as opposed to looking at the negative. Um, yeah. Again, that's remarkable that, that all of you maybe that survived somehow instinctively knew how to do that. Yeah, for strange reason, maybe, maybe God direct us <laughs> our thinking and talk about God um, toward the end of four years. I, I have this urge that um, I have this courage because I'm, I'm praying, praying to God to you know, help me to get to my family. So um, I have this courage that, that I need to escape. I need to get out from this situation. So um, I tap into my sisterhood I reach out to three of my trusted friends and I ask them to see if they are willing to escape with me. So they, they did. They say yes. And uh, we make plans and we made it out. So did you escape during the night? Yes. Yes. And nobody, I mean, obviously they didn't find you. Right. Yeah. At that time, um, they moved the camp. They moved the camp closer, closer into the jungle because they know something is coming. So, um, and we keep moving. So when we get into the deep into the jungle, I realized that that direction will not lead me to, to my hometown. So that's when I know that I need to escape. Mm. You probably also had a sense that, you know, they were more fearful, which is why they were moving into the jungle. And the jungle might give you an opportunity to be hidden if you were going to escape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we wait until nighttime to to escape. Um, We don't know what direction, where to go, but I trust that probably God directs our step because we have no idea in the middle of the night, in the middle of the jungle. But we, we just sense the direction where we came from. We just backtrack of, of our path. So we just go backward. Mm. When, yeah. So when, when the sun come up, in the morning and we turn around, we look, we didn't see them and we realized that we made it. So how did you keep moving without being detected? Uh, well, it's the nighttime and- uh, So you hid during the day and you traveled at night? Well, during that escape, it's, it's like one night, one night escape. Mm-hmm. So as soon as we get out of their environment, we were free. 
because really? um, I would yeah. think they would have rounded you up like anybody that wasn't working or wasn't, you know, where they were supposed to be, that they would have recaptured you. Oh, yeah. In the, in the normal camp that we used to live in for four years, that would have happened. But because they start to move the camp to the jungle, the camp had been moved. The and camp so there were, moved. But does that mean that there were people that weren't under their control? you know, that were living in other parts of Cambodia? I mean, I just, no? So. No, no, no. This camp, it, they, they have so many guards, the, the guard that had guns. So we are fearful of this guard because if this guard see us, they will shoot us right away. Right. right. Yeah. So this is more like imaginary camp because we get out of the real camp. Ah, okay. We have been moved. We moved into the jungle. So that's how, hmm. how, how we can uh, get out without too much complication. Have you stayed in touch with some of these women that you knew, you know, back in Cambodia that were survivors with you? Have, I mean, especially the ones that you escaped with. Have you stayed in touch with each other? The one that um, I escaped with, they came with me and they, they live with me and my family for about a year. And then they, they went on their way. But when we came, when I came to United States, I, the most recently, maybe about the last 10 years or so, I gather about three or four people that have been in the same camp. So yeah, I, I stay in touch with them. That's amazing because what a story. And they knew that you wrote a book. Yes, they know now, but I didn't brag about it at the beginning. I was just so happy that we, we connect with each other. Mm. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. Well, Sarah, I... I'm so thrilled that you were part of the show. And one of the things I'd love for you to explain is where can they find your book and how can they be in touch with you if they'd love to have you come as a speaker or something like that? Yes, uh, my book is um, available on my website. It's spelled Sarah M, S-A-R-A-I-M.com slash book just sarah m forward slash book and my phone number you can reach me by phone 727-512-3017 okay and you're available you know as a motivational speaker yes so you've um, done other speaking engagements i know and so you know, what are some of the topics that you might be able to come and speak to an organization about? Some of the topic, like how you, how you can thrive while you are surviving. So uh, that's one of the topic. Survive, uh, thriving beyond survival. That's one of the topic that I um, talk about. And uh, and other topics are like how to build your resilience. Yeah, you certainly had a lot of resilience. That was something that was quite amazing, um, you know, that you were able to do that. And thriving seems to be a topic um, in today's world because of the pandemic. There's so many people that have lost their livelihoods. Um, you know, things have been shifted and they have to learn new ways to thrive. And certainly that's uh, something you can address pretty easily. Yes. And uh, my most popular topic that people want me to uh, speak about is um, finding hope in the midst of adversity. Yes. Yeah. Finding hope is, is true. I mean, you saw it. Um, and I think, you know, if you were a sailboat 
you would have directed your sails toward it until you finally came out of the jungles <laughs> and, and into, um, you know, a place of love and, you know, back with your family. Um, yeah. I, it seems to me like love has always guided you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, that, that is so true because without love in our heart, we, we can easily become bitter. Mm-hmm. angry, resentful, mm-hmm. yeah. and hate, and hate, and so I didn't have all that uh, in my, in my system. I only have love, I only have hope, I only have faith, and I only have a positive perspective on life. I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking for positive things. I'm looking for gratitude. Right. Right. Yeah. And you found it. I found it. Yeah. And, and I, and, yeah. And I want to teach other people because um, I experienced in my own life. I know it works. I know it's possible. Mm-hmm. All they have to do is hear your story and realize that, you know, here is somebody who should have given up and you never did because you had hope and faith and love in your heart. You, you learn to look for the positive. And that's a great, great way for us to end our show today. So I want to thank you so very much for joining me. And um, your, uh, the show itself will be up on you know, Spotify and iHeartRadio and Google uh, Podcasting and Apple Podcasting. And there's always a synopsis of each of the shows. And so people will be able to find you from that synopsis as well. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you having me on the show. Um, thank you so much for doing this, Lucy. And uh, you, yeah, you, you share wonderful information into the world. The wellness, it's, it's, I, um, I appreciate wellness. So what yeah. can we do? What can we do if we don't have a physical wellness? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You, I mean, that is our foundation. And from there, we can go forward. Yes. All right. Thank you very much, Sarah. Um, Everybody, uh, please share this show with others that didn't get an opportunity to hear Sarah. Um, Let them know where they can find her podcast uh, recording. And Sarah will um, talk again soon. Okay. All right. Everybody go out there and make this your very best life. Boomers Forever Young is really making a name for themselves as an exciting nutritional company with products that really work. People from all over the country are starting to take notice. Their whole person approach to health and wellness, combined with their unique array of powerful natural health products, are setting them apart from all the other companies in the nutrition industry. Their customers love the one-on-one free consultations and the results they experience. Sound a little too good to be true? Then go online to boomerboost.com today and sign up for a free consultation with a product specialist or just give us a call at 1-800-861-4609. Again, that's boomerboost.com or call 1-800-861-4609 to join the thousands already experiencing the benefits of Boomers Forever Young products.